Hello and welcome to Pause Pop, Positively Pop Culture, where we talk about things we love enthusiastically and without guilt. I'm KW Taylor. And I'm Carrie Gessner. And this week we're talking about Adele's new album, 30, the novel The Final Girls Support Group, and the movie Black Widow. Mm-hmm. And we also have some exciting news to, to reinforce with folks, if you, in case you didn't listen to our episode last week. What have we got going on that's brand new? We've got some merch for ya. <laughs> so we have a new Redbubble store, and the link is on our website. We'll also tweet it out. But if you go to redbubble.com and search Pause Pop Podcast, you'll find us. And it features a couple color combos of our logo, including our watermelon <laughs> color combo that we like so much. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we've got t-shirts, mouse pads, stickers, pins, mugs. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Christmas is coming up. So think about yeah. that. I know. I really like the hoodie. I've been getting a little imbued with that. And it's there's two different styles of the hoodie. And I think it looks really soft and comfy. So I may snag one of those. Yeah, I have a yeah. t-shirt and it is I can confirm that it is soft. Nice. <laughs> I like a, I like a soft shirt. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> and while you're wearing your soft shirt, you might want to listen to the soothing soul sounds of Adele. (laughs) That was a a lovely segue. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah, so Adele's latest album came out recently. It's called 30. It's her first album in six years, so everyone was pretty excited for it. And Adele has kind of an interesting special place in my heart, because when 25 came out, which was her last album, it came out in 2015, and it came out while I was working at Barnes and Noble, so it played a lot there. <laughs> and yeah, it's like very soothing and soulful and emotional. But yeah, every time I th- I play that album, I think about Barnes and Noble. <laughs> <laughs> so I was I was really excited for her new album. She released a single called "Easy on Me" a couple weeks ago, which is very good and to celebrate the release of the album she and oprah did a special together mm-hmm. and it's called one night only it's available on paramount plus and it's lovely it's her doing a concert at griffith observatory Ooh. in la like right as the sun sets which is gorgeous mm. and then between songs she sings some old favorites and some of her new songs between songs she and oprah are in oprah's rose garden (laughs) and it looks gorgeous and beautiful and it's just like i want to have a conversation with oprah in her garden (laughs) (laughs) and they talk about her life and what has gone into this album because she is she's a songwriter who takes from her own life but It was really interesting to hear some of her answers because right towards the beginning, Oprah asks her, you know, where she gets her songwriting ideas and stuff. And some of it comes from her own life. But she also said something like she feels like she's a conduit and these stories and emotions are just kind of out there and she takes them and turns them into song. And I just thought that was such an interesting take. Mm-hmm. And I'm not really explaining it well, but I love the idea of like emotions and experiences being 
not totally universal, but common enough mm-hmm. that she's able to like be a voice for them, if that makes sense. It totally makes sense. I feel okay. like maybe you can relate to this or not, but I feel like I do that when I'm writing, when I get in the POV of a character who's totally unlike me, I just kind of imagine and work through their feelings about something. Like, how would they react in this moment based on their background and the stimuli of what's happening? So, yeah, I can yeah. get that. She probably does something similar. Yeah, I think so. But I, I think I just never heard a songwriter talk about it like that. Mm. So that was kind of fun. It was it was cool to see a little insight into her process. And, you know, she talk, she talks about the life changes she's had over the past few years that contributed to this album and things like that. Mm-hmm. But the special is very good. I liked it a lot because it combined her old songs, some of which, I mean, all of which I love, really. And she sings some surprising ones. Like, When We Were Young is one of my favorites from 25. Mm-hmm. And she sang that, and I was, I was like, really excited about it. Aww. <laughs> And then she introduced some of her new ones, and and I thought all of those were great. I kind of teared up during Hold On, which it was the first time I'd heard it. And she talks about her struggle with anxiety with Oprah, and this song kind of came out of that. And I think it is very relatable for, for, like, many different mental health issues or even just things that you're going through in life mm-hmm. and it it talks about you know sometimes she doesn't like herself and sometimes she feels like she's just stumbling in the dark and the chorus is just telling you to hold on be patient she says let pain be gracious which i think is very interesting oh. and i'm not explaining it well because i never talk about music well but, <laughs> <laughs> but when it's in song, it's a much different experience, and it just really touched me, and it's one of my favorites on the album, so I definitely, definitely, if you're only going to maybe pick out a few songs to listen to, I would definitely pick that one, and Easy On Me, My Little Love is really good, All Night Parking, Woman Like Me, they're all really good. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I definitely, I don't know, it's soulful, it's emotional. Obviously, she has an amazing voice. I don't think she's maybe as lyrically complex as someone like Taylor Swift or Sarah Burles, but she puts a lot of emotion into her songs, and I love that. (laughs) I do want to say, I don't know if you saw this floating around the internet, but she gave a concert, I think, in England, Mm -hmm. and the clips of it came, came online, and... At one point, Emma Thompson asks her a question about if there's someone in her life who, like, supported her emotionally and really had a big impact on her. And she answers that it's her, like, year eight English teacher. Mm -hmm. Did you see this? I heard about it. I didn't watch it, but yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then Emma Thompson is like, well, she's here. (laughs) Oh, that's so sweet. And she brings her up and they have this little reunion on stage. And, like, it's so... It's so sweet, and, like, she talks about how how much of an impact she had on her life, and it's just, like, a lovely... It's a lovely thing to watch, so I I would suggest everyone (laughs) should go look it up. But, yeah, I thought that was really cute, because, you know, teachers can be very important, and we need some 
positive things in the world right now, and I thought that was a lovely little thing to watch. Oh, that's very sweet. Yeah. So that's it. I just really like the album. <laughs> I think she's an interesting person. I recommend the album. So cool. I'll check it out. I always like her. I, yeah, she's somebody that I'm happy to, when she comes on the radio, I'm happy, but I haven't really listened to one of her albums start to finish. So this may be what I start with. Yeah, she's an advocate of listening to it in the order that she put them on there. So, yeah, I heard about that. She's made it so that the default for listening to an album on Spotify is not shuffle, it is start to finish. Yeah. And that's really cool. Yeah, that is cool. But you have been reading a book that is very different than Adele's <laughs> <Yeah>. out music. <laughs> yes. No, this is, I don't think the characters in this book would be listening to very much Adele. Maybe they should. It might help them out. I finished this a little bit ago. I read this over Halloween and our friend Rachel gave me a copy of it. And it's called The Final Girl Support Group by Grady Hendricks. And he published this just this year. It's still in hardback, actually. And Grady Hendrix is an interesting guy that sort of, he's pretty prolific. He's also written some screenplays, but his his novels are very sort of horror-based, but also kind of witty, and, and he kind of does some interesting meta things. And this is very much in that vein. And the premise is a little bit confusing. So in the world of this book, slasher movies, like slasher horror movies, kind of like Halloween or Nightmare Before Elm Street or Friday the 13th, like slasher film series in this world are all based on real life serial killer situations. Okay. And they use the real life final girl, meaning the last survivor who ends up killing the serial killer. They use her as like a consultant on the movie series. Oh. And they fictionalize them, but then the real life girls end up becoming kind of famous for surviving and killing their their serial killers. And in this novel, it's focused on it's kind of like a couple of decades after the height of these films. And the real life final girls have a support group that they still meet in monthly in Los Angeles, and they're all kind of messed up in different ways. Our primary, our, our point of view protagonist is Lynette, and her sort of effect from having had this experience is that she is hypervigilant to a degree that is troubling. Mm -hmm. um, she clearly has kind of like ritualistic OCD based on post-traumatic stress disorder. And so she always has like multiple contingency plans for everything. She doesn't keep pets because she doesn't want to have to take care of them if she has to run. She has like go bags in a car that she keeps parked away from her apartment. Like she's got all these things she does to cope mm -hmm. and she keeps her hair short because you can't grab short hair. Like she just does everything to make sure that she can survive whatever she needs to survive. Yeah. But some of the other ones have different coping. Like this girl, Adrian, actually bought the summer camp where she was tortured and turned it into like a rehab facility for current victims of violence. Oh my gosh. And this other girl, Danny, kind of lives on a ranch far from people and sort of tries to, to keep sort of a, a geographic perimeter to protect herself. And others are kind of like not doing very well. Heather is a 
sort of drug addict and con artist. But this other woman, Marilyn, sort of became like a real housewife's type. She married rich and loads her house up with security, and that's how she copes. But one of them is murdered, and they think, oh, no, it's all starting again. And so most of the rest of the book is about Lynette trying to figure out who the killer is, who has infiltrated their group. There's a lot of scenes of violence every time she thinks the person is one person, it's not. And it's a lot of her going on the run, getting into extreme predicaments, not being able to know who she can trust, having people betray her at every turn. And it's extremely, extremely stressful throughout the whole book. Yeah. But it also has moments of humor. And because it has this sort of meta commentary on horror movies, if that's a genre that you like, or you like sort of nostalgia or whatever, it's, it's interesting in that standpoint. And it's kind of interesting to see how Hendrix adapts real serial killer movies or real slasher films into these fake versions that sort of pay homage to the real movies. So it's mm-hmm. it's just layer upon layer of like references and allusions and stuff. And so that element is really interesting. It also, I think, has a lot of sort of feminist commentary of women as survivors and women overcoming trauma. And also to also to make a comment about the fact that slasher movies are a phenomenon that is like why why has that been a thing why is it even still somewhat of a thing but it was especially a thing in the 80s and what was it that was causing people to glom onto that genre you know they're very cheap to produce and everything but it's also a film genre that is very violent and it's violence against women usually but then mm-hmm. usually women are the ones who triumph and survive also so you know what is it really saying and I think it sort of drives home the fact that these, it's a little bit messed up to be into these without at least being a little bit self-reflexive about why you're into them. Right, yeah. And which element of them you're you're interested in. And, you know, it's also funny that the entire germ of the idea of Buffy the Vampire Slayer was based on the final girl conceit. Like, what if the final girl had magical powers that would make her super capable and make a lot of the bloodshed not necessary? because she can take the monster out before it gets too bad. So this concept has inspired quite a lot of pop culture since the 80s. And I think that the fact that the new Halloween movie, Halloween Kills, which I haven't seen yet, has to do a lot with familial trauma and generational trauma, it's kind of making a point too that's very similar to what this book is saying. Is like, Mm -hmm. you know, if you have this ongoing series of of a slasher film series, and you have a lot of the same characters, this is going to mess them up. And yeah. like, we can't assume that they'll be super capable and that it'll all continue to go well. And it's a little bit unbelievable that the monster keeps coming back and all this. And so, yeah. So yeah, like, why are we so interested in this? But I did enjoy it. It is pretty violent, but I think it has ultimately a very positive message of triumph over trauma and forgiveness and kind of using what you've gone through for as much good as you can and trying to finally come to terms with it in ways that truly help you heal rather than just cope. And so I think that it was really good in that regard. Cool. It is being adapted into a television series. And he also, Hendrix does not plan on doing a sequel 
And I think that's good because I think that actually also plays into the fact that this is making a point that the sequelification of this kind of genre is part of what proliferates the trauma for the characters. And so Mm -hmm. maybe to have it not be a series of books is an artistic point. And I, I like that. Yeah. And so I hope that the TV series kind of takes the plot of the novel and then ends. Like, I think that would be appropriate. Right. Interesting. Yeah. So I don't know if you would like it. I think, I think you might. I think you would appreciate mm-hmm. the, the feminist angle of it, at least. But I know that horror is not your jam. Usually, you've been trying to get more. You might end up liking the TV show better. We'll see how that gets adapted. Okay. Yeah, I probably should read more horror than I do because it doesn't bother me on the page as much as it does on the screen. Yeah, that's kind of how I feel, honestly. So I don't watch a lot of slasher movies, but I certainly read a lot of horror novels. Mm-hmm. I think because I think violence is easier to process if you can only imagine it to the extent that you choose to when you're reading. Mm-hmm. Whereas when you're watching it, you have to like, you know, decide if you're going to look away or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> And in a book, you can put it down if you need to. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, but I actually read this pretty quickly. You know that I'm a bit of a slow reader because I kind of, I kind of, I don't know. I just digest the language to Mm -hmm. a degree that probably not every reader chooses to. So this is very well written. It's very elegantly written. There's a lot of interesting little like news clippings in between chapters. Oh, cool. That are like little fake movie reviews and little fake interviews with, with people. And um, I liked that device. And it's pretty long, but I did finish it pretty quickly because it is very compelling. So cool. yeah, it's very good. Well, I'll put it on my list. It yeah. does sound interesting. Yeah. I'm yeah. glad you liked it. Thank you. Yeah. Cool. But we both watched something very different. This is just like <laughs> the, the grab bag show, the potpourri yeah. show. <laughs> <laughs> now, when when did you see Black Widow? And did you see it in the theater or did you watch it on Disney Plus? I watched it on Disney Plus a couple weeks ago. Okay. I'm trying to remember because there was this day, I think it was Halloween, actually. Mm-hmm. And my I was at my parents and we watched the kids, my sister's kids, and everyone was very tired at the end of the night, but we all separated to go watch different things. <laughs> and so I ended up watching Black Widow. But you saw it in the theaters, correct? I did see it in the theaters. I This was my return to seeing movies in the theaters. Nice. Which I wanted to see Shang-Chi, but I didn't get a chance to before that was gone. So I made a point of seeing this. And I went like the first show on a Sunday morning. There was nobody <laughs> else in the theater. Nice. And I was masked up the whole time. So I was very safe. Yeah. And it was a really nice, like, I love seeing Marvel movies in the theater. So it was nice to like, oh, I finally get to see this that I've been wanting to forever. Right. I think it it would be a good one to see in theaters. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was really good. So so it's been a little bit longer for me. So I'll have to try to remember bits of it. But I did. I did really, really enjoy it. We can do it. We can do it. Yeah. So do you want to give people like a little plot quickie summary? Not full summary, but like the premise. Yes, I will try my best because this one is pretty standalone Mm -hmm. but it also opens up and it takes place between like i don't know captain america two and three or something Mm -hmm. (laughs) or after the third one i don't know but black widow natasha romanoff is on the run from america she's a fugitive in america because of Mm -hmm. her views and some other movie i don't know i don't follow marvel that 
all that closely. <laughs> it's set after Captain America Civil War, and she is on the run, I think, from S.H.I.E.L.D. Thank you. And Black Widow is played by Scarlett Johansson. I'm sure everyone knows that, but I'm just putting it out there. <laughs> well, there's a part at the beginning that shows her childhood, and she and her sister, not biological sister, but Yelena, they are being raised by two Russian agents in the United States who are undercover. And their cover gets blown, so they have to go back to Russia. And what happens is Natasha and Yelena both become Black Widows. They go through this program that turns them into assassins. And in the present day, Yelena is on an assignment and she comes in contact with this synthetic gas that basically undoes all of her mind control. And she ends up sending these antidote vials to Natasha. And that sends them into this journey of tracking down the guy who's responsible for the Red Room, which is where they got brainwashed into being assassins. And she meets up with her fake family members along the way. And it's really funny. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And it's just a lot of really good action. But it's also a lot of interesting, like, little, the the kind of family dynamics mm-hmm. between Yelena and Natasha and also their fake parents, Alexei and Melina, played by David Harbour of Stranger Things and Rachel Weisz of the Mummy films. and. Having just watched The Americans, the stuff with being a fake family that's actually Russian spies was really, I really enjoyed that. <laughs> and I thought it was it was fun to see another example of that. Mm-hmm. And they were also, their family was supposedly in Ohio, which I thought was hilarious too. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, and I mean, there was, there was a lot of humor in it. And Black Widow is an interesting character because she's not really, she's one of the not as superpowered superheroes in the MCU. Like she's been sort of trained. It's all based on training and her skills are sort of like combat based. But she's not like she doesn't really use a lot of super high tech and she doesn't really have like super strength or speed or anything. She just relies on all of this training, which was done to her without her permission, but she's been able to use it for heroic means. And yeah. And I mean it's just a basic, really solid good superhero action film with a little bit more depth than usual and it's very female driven female centric so yeah that's basically why i liked it in in a nutshell it's a really solid film it is directed by kate shortland and the screenplay is by eric pearson and i think we did not mention that florence Pugh plays yelena yes and yeah i really loved all the family stuff even though they were technically a fake family. Mm-hmm. They still fight like a real family. <laughs> yes. And there's a, this amazing, awkward dinner scene with the four of them. Mm-hmm. So I really liked all the family stuff. Yes. And Yelena Florence Pugh is really a standout. She's a lot of fun. Yes. She gives Natasha a lot of crap. <laughs> <laughs> She's hilarious, and Mm -hmm. she has a lot of, like, moments where she's making kind of meta-commentary on things that (laughs) Natasha does, 
sort I, I don't want to spoil that, but it's yeah. really funny. And it's kind of this running gag. And, you know, the MCU is has got a lot more lighthearted things about it than like, say, the DC movies. And I that's one of the things that I really like about them mm -hmm. is that they're focused on that. I do wish that this was um, I wish that certain things hadn't happened in Avengers Endgame that would that made this have to be set in the past. Right. Because there's certain things that are that end up feeling very melancholy about it. But it's still a really, really solid movie. And I want to see Yelena kind of take over this mantle and kind of, mm -hmm. you know, do more. So yeah, I, I think it's yeah. a, it is a pretty good standalone one if, if people are not watching every single Marvel movie, and they just want to see what what's a typical one like. I was able to understand it. Yeah. <laughs> Without and you don't watch every single not. Marvel movie. Right. Yeah. yeah. I wa I've watched like half of them, maybe. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So it's obviously one that you can kind of enter into mm -hmm. with that limited. And even like me, like I tend to not always rewatch them and I tend to forget big plot points and I was fine. So yeah. Yeah. Which is great. Mm -hmm. But yeah, definitely, definitely recommend Black Widow. So yeah. Next week, though. We're talking about the new Netflix series Arcane, the Netflix holiday movie Love Hard, and several video game versions of board games that are based on maps. And I know that last <laughs> one sounds really dumb, but it's going to make sense. So <laughs> believe me. Yeah, stay tuned. Yes. <laughs> we'll explain it. We will explain it. Our theme music is by Joseph McDade. You can find me on Twitter at Carrie Gessner. And you can find me on Twitter at KWTaylorWriter. And you can find us together on Twitter at Pause Pop Podcast. If you want to email us, you can do that at positivelypopculture at gmail.com. You can also find our website at positivelypopculture.com. And from there, you can find the link to our merch store. And please rate us and review us on iTunes and wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening. Stay healthy and safe and join us next time for another episode of Pause Pop. Pause Pop.